Hi, and welcome to this Startup Sales Growth Podcast Series. I'm your host, Nicolai Bedore. At my agency, Bedore Business Group, we recruit and build high-growth sales teams for technology companies. Over the years, we've worked with companies big and small, and what we found is that almost all businesses just getting off the ground struggle to create consistent revenue growth, and they know without it, they'll cease to exist. This is why we partnered up with Tech.mn to create a four-part sales series that will teach you, one, how to get those first meetings when no one knows who you are, two, how to turn those meetings into loyal, paying customers, three, once you have this process down, how to build a sales team to execute it. And four, how to keep that team motivated and inspired during the ebb and flows of a startup. You were listening to episode four, how to keep the team that you just built motivated and inspired during the ebb and flows of a startup. You're about to hear from top local minds who've walked this walk and are eager to share their secrets. But before we do, I want to thank our sponsor, Field Collective, for sharing Studio Coco with us and their financial support. Fuel Collective is the new standard for blending work, play, and wellness all under one roof. Fuel Collective is a social lifestyle club and a co-working space where everything you need to take your life to the next level is right at your fingertips. Interested in learning more? Uh, Of course you are. So visit them at fueledcollective.com for more information. You ready to jump in episode four? Let's do this. Who's feeling electric? I need electrifying. Welcome to episode four of our four-part series, Startup Sales Growth. We are live and sitting before me are two of the brightest minds on the subject of coaching your teams to greatness. And I'm so excited to share them with you today. Hey guys. Hello. All right. So you know that this is the part where I get to look at you guys in the face and the listeners get to hear this and I get to pump your tires a little bit because both of you in this subject are leaders in this space, but personally... You're somebody who's really touched my heart and my life in this space, and somebody you guys are both people that I look up to. So, thanks for letting me share you with everyone today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for letting us be here. All right, who may, may embarrass you first, G? Sure. All right. <laughs> so Garrett Kramer, Garrett or G, as most people call him, um, his sales leadership success is something of a legend. Yeah, he's led triple-digit growth at local tech icons. Concur. When I work in resorts and lodges in record time, but it's what his employees say about him that makes him incredible. I've yet to see a leader who gets more people to follow him wherever he goes than Garrett. People absolutely love to work for him. It isn't my opinion. It's fact. You can Google it. So I'm excited to hear from from you today, my friend, and I'm excited to learn from you. Thanks for joining. And next to him is Bonnie Spear McGrath. Now, literally do Google that, and you will find pages upon pages of what this woman has accomplished. It's actually, I I think I was even under-informed. So uh, thanks for joining us. What can I say about Bonnie? So... Anyone listening, take notes on how to live an, uh, an awesome life. You're going to learn it from Bonnie. When I was 24, I was doing keg stands and bong rips. Bonnie was not. She was launching, launching Spear Technology Training, which she sold to Kaplan uh, in the Washington Post before her 40th birthday. Uh, this allowed her to focus on another startup called Being a Mom, and uh, she did just that. So after crushing parenting for her second wave of building inspiring cultures, she served as the president of TrueScribe, advisor of a ton of cool local tech companies, and just co-launched the Abbey did I miss anything? The Abbey. The Abbey. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Did I miss anything? No. No. Absolutely. I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to wipe the smile off my face. Yeah. <laughs> so as you know, we've talked about this, but uh, most of our listeners are just starting out. And if they're not, they're at a point where they just need a little bit of push. That's the focus of this whole deal. So in our last episode, they learned how to build a team to execute their sales marketing process. And now that that's all been thrown at them, in a startup, how do they successfully motivate and inspire these people 
to win day in and day out in the wild world of startup build? <laughs> you know, I think part of it comes just from hiring the right team. And there are unique characteristics of people who like to work in a startup. Not everybody does. And I think when you're interviewing people, you should really help them understand what it feels like to be in a startup. Mm-hmm. You are on fire all the time. You have job descriptions, but not, there might be a day that comes in that something else is needed, and that's the job for that day. Right. You can't have people walking around going, I'm not doing that. That's not my job. You do whatever it takes to get things going because that's, that's the beauty of it. I think it's a really cool opportunity for people because, in fact, you get to learn lots of different skills. You're learning all the time, and when somebody asks you to do something, you just say yes and you jump in and do it. You don't say, I don't know how to do that. Nobody around you knows how to do it. So you just jump in and, and, and do it. Yeah, that's really good. You, you mentioned something that, mm-hmm. that I want to touch on early on right away is you mentioned everybody's on fire all the time. I think one of the pieces to motivating employees in a startup atmosphere is setting the right expectations. And you talked about the job description isn't always the job description. In fact, most of the time, it's not the job description. Right? There's more days than not that you come in and there's other things that you have to do. That's the beauty of being a startup. You get to learn all of these other things. But if you want to learn how to build something, join a startup. If you want to work, learn how to be a great developer, go to Microsoft and be a developer. Right. If you want to learn how to build a company in the context of being a lead developer, yeah. join a startup. Yeah. But we're on fire all the time, right? Setting the right expectations at a startup, problems occur every single day. If that's what I'm hearing, right? We're all on fire oh, all the yeah. time. Problems happen every single day. So set the right expectations with your employees. When people have the right expectations about what's happening and what's coming and what's going to be in the future tomorrow, the next day, the next week, for the next couple of years as we build this, they're a lot more apt to, to stay motivated when the waves start coming over the side of the boat. Otherwise, when the waves start coming, if they think it's all peaches and sunshine, they're not going to want to bail it out because they're never, they're going to assume that they're drowning instead of it just being part of the process. And just to add on to that, I think that's so, so right, Garrett, is part of being in a startup is you are experimenting. You're throwing things up against the wall and you're trying and you want to fail as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. So a failure is not something that you hang your head about. You just go, okay, all right, that didn't work. What didn't work about it? Let's learn quickly and then try something else. I can't imagine a better place to be because I love creating and love being in that kind of atmosphere. I, like Garrett, have a lot of people that I repeat and follow and do, do more things with me. And that's great for me because I can trust them. I know what they like. I know that they're willing to learn. I know that they're willing to grow And I know that they're willing to kind of take the ups and downs, the emotional ups and downs. But I think also there has to be some kind of vision that is driving you. And in my first company, the, you know, a lot of people were at that point starting technology training companies. But my goal was to help eliminate fear of technology. You know, well, that's a pretty big, bold goal. Yeah. In, in dealing with bankers who are afraid to death of this new technology. Right. And so that was really motivating to be able to sell programs that help build something beyond what, you know, what the service is that you're selling. But I think that the vision is really important 
whatever it is that caught your fire or made you want to join is probably going to help the next team come in as well. Absolutely. Well, everything rises and falls on leadership. And if you're a founder, if you're a co-founder of a company, people need to be sucked into that vision. If they're not, forget it because they're going to burn out. And they're never, ever going to be able to make it through all the stuff that it takes. When you get close to that end point and you're doing everything and you're working 16, 20 hours a day and you're doing everything, you're going, I need people for this. And you look at the bank statement, you're going, I can't afford people for this. So I have to keep doing it until you get to that magic place and you hire that next person. But that next person is only as good as you are leading them, right? Yeah. Leaders are only leaders if they find people that need to be led. So as a leader, hook people into that vision. But I really have to go back to the whole expectation piece, knowing people are going to come in. And I say it to every person that comes to work for me or with me. There will be a day. In fact, there'll be multiple where you will want to pick up your computer and chuck it against the wall and flip everybody off and go home. You need to expect that. And when it happens, come talk to me and we'll talk about it. And we can work through it. And maybe you will need to go home, right? Everybody has an off day. It's part of the deal. Yeah. But know that we see the forest through the trees. We see the end game. We know where we're going. And that's motivating. It's motivating to me. Yeah. I got to ask this because you guys have said it, both of you, is expectations. When did you learn that, whoa, I got to, you know, maybe, maybe you lost a couple people or maybe things didn't go the way that you, you thought and you realized, man, I got to start setting expectations. When did you learn that skill? Because a lot of people, I find it hard to have those hard conversations off the bat when you're trying to attract people you just want someone to join your team, but you really want the right people. But at this point, you just got to get some people. Well, I'll take a stab at that. I actually try to interview people and scare them to death so that they won't actually take the job. Awesome. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yes, so, I love that. So, so that if they actually took the job, it'll be so much easier than what I you know, set oh. the expectations Have you always up. done that? Always. That's such I've a always way done that. I love it. I love that. And I, and I think not to be facetious, but... It isn't for everybody, you know, and sometimes in your mind, you think just like in my mind, I wish I liked camping because that really just sounds really cool, but I'm really an urban girl, you know, (laughs) and so, you know, I think if you try to lay out what this might feel like and that as we're growing, we're always going to be a little understaffed, we're always going to be a little understaffed that we're never going to hit that right point ever probably until we sell the business and someone else has the money to, you know, put the right stuff in. So it's always going to feel a little uncomfortable, but so much fun, you know, so much fun. And I think the other thing I always promise people is if they help me understand what they're trying to achieve, Mm -hmm. I will help them find their dreams. And when they have run out of runway in the company that I'm leading, I will help them find the next company. I would never hold them back. I would always just say, when you have reached the end, don't worry. You know, I'll help you find that next thing. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I love the scare piece. Just be real, right? Be honest with them. Here's here's what's going to be expected of you. Oh, and this, and this, and probably that, and just one more thing. A little bit like Columbo, right? Just, Just one more thing. But what I heard the undertone in all that is, Everything worthwhile is uphill. And some people really want to go climb Everest. Mm-hmm. Yep. Some people don't. Some people really just want to run on a treadmill. 
right? That's they do. Exactly That's just what they, they like it. They like it better. It fuels their soul. Everybody's passionate about different things, but and everybody's motivated by different things, but everybody's motivated by something. So as a great leader, set great expectations, but find the thing or the things that motivate each person and assuming that they fit the job description and they'll fill the role and culturally they're there to motivate them. You got to find what it is that motivates them. For some people, it'll be money. For some people, it's problem solving. All right, Mikolai, we've talked about this a lot. Sell the problem. Yep. What are we trying to fix? What are we trying to solve? Mm-hmm. Who are we trying to help? And I think that in and of itself provides a lot of motivation because the way I see it, a lot of the shift in work and what people have wanted out of work has become more to What's the meaning behind my work? Yeah. Right? I know I'm doing a great thing at this company, but am I providing value to society? Is it make me feel good? Oh, this is so much fun. I love this job. Um, so you guys have both heard of the, the 80-20 rule, right? 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your team. And, and I've found in my experience more like a 90-10 rule. Have you guys found that to be accurate? I probably have not found that to be accurate, but I tend to have pretty small, tight-knit teams, and everybody is a really a high performer, or they're not going to be comfortable. Got they're it. just not going to last long. Mm-hmm. Now, that hasn't always been the case, but I would say I ex- have higher expectations than 80, 20, or 90, 10. Love it. I, I like that. I like that. I... <laughs> I can say I've seen it to be true in some cases and not true in others. In the in the cases where I've had smaller teams and it's been focused on a on a team goal. Yep. Obviously there's individual contribution, but when it's more team focused and there's more of a uh, pay it forward type atmosphere, the 80/20 rule is washed away. Wonderful. When it's mano y mano, all right, you're on your own competition and a little more dog-eat-dog, there's less of that. And, yeah, it ends up shaking itself out where your top performers, they get theirs, and everybody else tries to figure out how to get in that mix. And they won't share because they want to keep winning, and it just gets a little toxic. So I've seen it, but it's not necessarily ideal. Let's talk about everybody else then, because as we just discussed, I mean, this isn't for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I would actually like to hear... How you identify maybe that maybe maybe a, maybe a whiff and, and you thought oh man this person really seemed like a good fit to join you know kind of this mission and maybe not but for the everybody else how do you cross that chasm you know taking good people to great you guys have done it your whole life so there's probably some sort of formula or way that you've accomplished that over and over. Right? Well, I would say the one thing that whatever organization that I'm working with, whether I've co-created or created it. The core values of that organization that dictate the culture, when I've had a problem with somebody, Mm -hmm. it usually ends up being a culture mismatch more than anything else. And I probably didn't know that early, early on. That was more something that kept bumping into me. And I'm like, oh, all right. So I think that whatever your true culture is, Whatever your core values are, not what you want them to be, not what you think they would like to be, but what they really, really are, what you could hang your hat on, that's the people that you want to hire. You want to hire the ones that are going to feel comfortable with that, and then I think you will have less issues. But if you do have issues, and it comes down to 
culture, it's a great discussion to have with them to have them learn to look for that in their next opportunity if something didn't work out. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you meant this or not, but I heard something unique there. And it almost sounds like, you know, everyone knows all companies need to have a, a mission and a, you know, they've got to have a culture and whatever. But do you think it's also safe to say that individuals should have their own mission statement and their own culture, their own personalized culture, so that when they go to a new culture, they go to a company, they have that written out themselves or, or a way to explain that so that when in that interview they can say, wow, this is exactly... No, I think people do have to have, uh, culturally, they do have to, if you see the whatever the core values are of an organization and you go, oh, yeah, those don't, those don't really feel right to me, you know, those aren't my core values, one that I almost have always, I mean, I wouldn't even work someplace that didn't have this core value, is delight the customer. Like, yeah. Not not make them happy. Yeah. Not make them satisfied. Delight them. Mm-hmm. So if that does not turn you on, oh my gosh, please don't do not ever work with me, <laughs> because that is a core value to me. Yeah. And to any business that I'd be part of. I love that. A piggyback off of that. One of the ones for me is be honest. Use integrity in the sales process, specifically in my world. Yeah. Do not ever sell something to someone just because you can, because you have that talent set, that ability. It must be the right fit. And if it's not and you sell it, you can't work for me. That doesn't work. So ask the right questions. Be extremely curious. And yeah, I think there is a culture. There's a culture piece to it. You have to have the right people. Jim Collins, you have to have the right people on the bus. Yeah. Right, you get the right people by asking the right questions mm-hmm. during the interview process, and sometimes you miss. It happens. People put masks on, but you find out over time what those questions are and how to weed through those. That's why everybody sees the posts on LinkedIn. You know, top questions the CEO asks in every interview, and you're yeah. like, "Whoa, that's a cool question. I like that." Yeah. So culture's huge. Do you have any questions on the top of your head that are kind of your go-to question? Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite questions is. Tell me the story of your life. That's going to tell me the way they describe it, the way they walk me through it, the way they expose challenges that show up. That's going to really enlighten the path to where I want to take it. And we're either going to keep going or that's probably going to be the end of the interview. Yeah. That's my favorite starter question. I sit down and we're not, tell me about your strengths and weaknesses. So tell me about Mick. Yeah. Tell me about you. That's my favorite. I do love that question. And another question that I'm I'm totally uh, stealing from somebody because it was just I, I was it was just exposed to me in the last week as a quick way to get to know people was to ask someone to introduce you to their maternal grandmother and how did that person influence you hmm. and wow. instead of having the focus be on all those things that are kind of making you nervous uh-huh. right and and what have you done and listing everything yeah. When you're introducing someone else, a little bit more of you comes out and also whatever inspired you or didn't inspire you from your grandparent is, is kind of telling. So I am going to steal that one that was introduced to me in the last week. And it's just an incredible way to open up, a, uh, a particularly for a group interview, if there's yeah. ever any group interviews. So keeping on the, the subject, which is the inspiration part, we've kind of delved into the, the, the hiring part, but I don't think anyone, including myself, can get enough of learning from people like you because it's such a talent that you have. But I, I kind of want to go back 
Authenticity is key when you're looking someone in the eye and you're inspiring them to believe. But let's kind of take the other path is what are your personal mantras that you leverage, personally leverage daily to keep your spirits up so that you can then pass that belief and that energy on to your people? I mean, I think we all owe it to ourselves to take really good care of ourselves because if we don't take good care of ourselves, we can't be good moms or good wives or good leaders at all. And and that's going to vary from person to person. But I know for me, I have a daily meditation practice that I start with in the morning. I do a ton of yoga. I do a ton of spinning. I do Pilates. I have to be very active just to stay sane yeah, and to be able amen. to perform. <laughs> yeah. And everyone, I encourage everyone to find whatever that is. Yeah. Whatever that is for you that helps you be grounded and bring your best, then make sure you're doing that. Yeah, that's good. I do the same thing. I have, depending on the day, anywhere between 45 minutes to two hours of just me time, first thing in the morning. And it starts with quiet time. And for me, it's prayer and studying the Bible and getting into doing a little bit of a workout, just getting a sweat going, at least a little bit, half hour. And then I'm on with my day. But I always try to find a way to encourage as many people as I can throughout the day. I don't always do a great job. Some days I get done with my day and I'm driving home and I'm going, shoot, I missed a couple opportunities. But we've heard the mantra, it's better to give than to receive. And I find at least as I give encouragement, as I say hi to people, as I give them a smile or a high five or great job or I'm proud of you or just, how are you doing today? It makes me feel better. So a little bit selfish, a little bit motivating, but there's personal benefit to pouring into other people. And yeah, I mean, I, I heard John Maxwell once at the Global Leadership Summit says, followers ask three key questions. They ask, do you like me? Can you help me? And can I trust you? And so if we're answering those questions every day, I really believe that not only are you going to highly motivate your employees because they're going to feel secure, they're going to trust you more, and they're going to be more engaged. And we know when employees are engaged, small, high-performing teams or really large teams, they give more discretionary effort. And at the end of the day, what's motivating? What's motivation? As a leader, you are here trying to get people to do what you want them to do or what's best for the business because they want to do it. And I can't, that's from Craig Groeschel's leadership podcast. I can't steal that. That's his definition. But the art of leadership, of motivating people, is getting them to do what you want them to do or what's best for the business because they want to do it. And if you bring people there, magic happens. Ah, uh, I don't know if it's the Italian in me, but this has just been so moving. All right, let me get, bring it back. I want to learn more about like when, when, the, when the going gets tough mm-hmm. and the team is looking to you. I just want to stay there risk for another minute because I'm probably, and I don't know if it's the most, but I know that you know when we started Grey Duck and we started ODM and DVD, like it, when it gets tough, it gets really tough and you want to quit. And that that's your team that you're supposed to inspire, but it could be you deep down too. You're like, oh, the hell with this. This is way too hard. I could go somewhere easy and live an easy life and so on and so forth. You guys have anything to share on that? Well, I guess the thing I would share on that, I mean, I think every... Every person reaches a, a moment of despair. Yeah. And it's more exhaustion than despair, but it feels like ah, despair. Funny. <laughs> um, but I think it's sheer exhaustion. And I know I know there's times when I've told my 
my team, I've said to them, oh my gosh, I just don't think I can do this anymore. I'm really having a rough day. And I am just very authentic with them. Like I just say, gosh, this is feeling so hard. I, I don't know what to do. And every single time, my team has rallied back to me, mimicking what I've done for them yeah. at all the times of saying, oh my gosh, no, don't, don't worry, don't worry. Maybe you should go take, do a walk or go take a little break or go home and take the rest of the day. You'll feel better tomorrow. Yeah. Or they have rallied back to me and usually I do feel better the next day. You know, it's just, but I think I've always thought that's a great sign of such a good team and that, and, and and I play tennis too, so you never want your doubles partner to be down at the same time as you. So yeah. it's like, you great know, game, by the way. It is such a great <laughs> game, but you know the whole team can't doesn't have to be up the whole time. Yes. But if you hold each other up when someone's down, you know that's what team is all about. That's it. So many people pine for that authenticity. Why do great leaders attract people? Because they're real. Because they share. Because they're authentic, because they're not guarded, they they let you into their lives. Maybe not every secret, but they let you into the places that matter. Yeah. And hey, I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your team rallies around you and lifts you up because you've done it time and time and time and time again. And that that's the mark of a great leader is when when the going gets tough, do you have what it takes? Is the vision powerful enough to pull you through? And Sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. I mean, 90% of startups fail in the first five years. So sometimes it's just not. And sometimes maybe it's just not the right people in the right seats on the bus. Yeah. The concept was great. The product was amazing, but the right leaders weren't there. Yes. Right? So when it gets the hardest, that's when the team gets the most intimate. You celebrate on the mountaintops, mm-hmm. but you get to know each other in the valleys. You get to know each other when you're back to back, and there's no way out. And it's just U5 or U8 or U30 or U300. That's when you learn the most about what you have as a team and what kind of leader you are and what kind of people you've brought in. But you got to rise, right? Leaders have to rise to the occasion. And not every time, but the majority of the times as a leader, in order to motivate your employees and for them to really be bought into you, you have to rise to the opportunity. That's why the greatest leaders that we, Abe Lincoln, Churchill, right? We think about these people, Oprah for that matter, when when stuff presses in on them and the juice is squeezed, that's when we see what's really there. And it's when you're pressed that the real you is shown. So I really think that in, in those hardest times is when your employees get that opportunity to see who you really are. Yeah. And that's when they, they buy in even more. Can I add one more thing too? Of course. The other thing I think that goes along with that, so I, I think, yeah, leader mostly has to rise to the occasion. <laughs> but I think as a leader, one of the most important things you can do to, for each individual on your team is help them understand what is it that they did that added value. Mm. In particular, don't just say, oh, great job today. That was yeah. great. Mm-hmm. That doesn't tell them anything. What is it that they did specifically to add value? And in my case, I'm known for writing you a note if you did something extraordinary. Or in, in one of my companies, I actually bought out every single teal sense of pen that was on the market. It was a lot of pens. 
and I would give you a teal sense of pen with a note and tell you what you did that was extraordinary. But it had to be extraordinary, mm -hmm. not just great. It had to be extraordinary, probably something that contributed to the project in an amazing way. And when people had their pen, they would ask the other person, oh, what did you do that was extraordinary? And it oh, led to all these extraordinary so cool. sharing of cultural questions. I even had clients eventually ask me, what do I have to do to earn a pen? I'm like, oh, there'll be a time. You'll earn one when you're, when, <laughs> you have to be extraordinary, though. I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. You guys, this is the fastest episode, I think, in history. But, I, you know, when we're recruiting and building teams, we get asked all the time, like, what, you know, we ask for the, the must-haves. And winner's attitude, over and over and over, right? And we've done this a while now, so we can identify what we look for in a winner's attitude. Yeah. What do you guys look for in a winner's attitude, maybe 60 seconds or less? they got to have grind. You just have to have that. If you're not willing to sweat a little bit and have sore muscles, brain, I mean, whatever it is, like if you're not willing to put in effort, forget it. That's number one. Number two, there's got to be curiosity. You have to be a perpetual learner. People that believe they know everything or don't want to continue to learn, I can't, I can't do it. People that don't read, that don't listen to podcasts or books or read magazines, read something, learn something about something, please. I don't care if it's My Little Ponies. I don't care if it's Needlepoint. Learn something. Continue to feed yourself. So be a continual learner. Be coachable. Be humble. I think those two really go hand in hand for me. I don't know everything. Not even close. And I'm a product of being surrounded by incredible people. So those are my... Those are my top three. So grind, positivity, and curiosity. Now, since this is you know the episode of, of, of leadership inspiration, I yeah. assume that all those points you just made are things that you live on the floor too, right? To inspire your people so they can look and say, G's doing it. I want to follow G because he's living, he's saying one thing and doing and doing that same exact thing, player coach style. Yeah, right. I cert I mean I certainly try to. Yeah, I mean I'm listening to podcasts, reading books, and I try to get information out to my team so they know I'm doing it. But you bring stuff into meetings and into conversations and it, it shows. If you're doing it, it shows. Don't know you buy fruit. Uh I would say that the things I look for are absolute grit, being totally mm -hmm. trustworthy, having passion, and really being motivated to be the best you that you can be. Yeah. It pains me to shut this down because I, I can't be alone. There's got to be a listener or two or maybe more that are like, no, don't do not do this. Well, fantastic job. It, it goes without saying. That was amazing. And if you guys are open to it and you had a good time, we got to do something again because this was incredible. Uh, that is the only way to cap off this four-part sales series. Wow, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. With that, that is the end of episode four and the end of this series. I hope that you guys took as much knowledge as you possibly could away from it. That was the intended mission when Jeff and Mike and the gang over at tech.mn asked me to do this. I was reluctant at first because I, I really wanted to provide something of value to our technology community. And I really think we did thanks to our fantastic, fantastic guests. Thanks to you, Sean, Andrew, uh, Ryan, Corey, uh, Lindsay, Jason, Bonnie, and Garrett. You guys are my heroes. Thank you. And thanks to tech.mn for putting this together. My team at Bedore Business Group, thank you, Susie Rich, Allie, thank you to the whole team for helping us edit and put this together. Our sponsor, Field Collective. 
Don and Kyle, thank you guys for everything that you do for this fantastic community. And last but not least, Alex Rossi is one of my favorite uh, musicians locally. Uh, when I was in a band called Greeting Starfighter, we used to play together, and I just watched in awe the fact that he took my call and said, heck yeah, if it's for the tech community, it's for our startup uh, community, let's do this. And he provided us uh, with this tasty track that is running from the doom off his album, Echoes from the Arches. Go pick it up. It's front to back solid. And guys, with that, I hope that all of your sales achievements are met this year. I hope this podcast was able to help. We'll see you guys around. Cheers. It's time to go boom.